0: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and later in the show, we're going to review rough and rowdy ways, the latest from Bob Dylan. But first, we want to dig into what we're calling instant commentaries.
1: Yeah, that's right, Greg. You know, throughout the duration of doing this show, 15 years on public radio, we get these emails. How come there are no great protest songs like there were in the 60s, whether it was Ohio, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, within weeks of the shootings at Kent State reacting to that.
2: Twin soldiers
3: and Nixon's coming, we're finally on our own. This summer I hear the drumming, Four days
1: you know, hey, go back to "For What It's Worth" by uh, Stephen Stills, Buffalo Springfield. You know, there was a riot on the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles, and literally days later, they played that song and then recorded it, and then it was a
3: hit.
1: You know, we've seen pop music react very quickly. To tragic events in the news, we're going to talk about a bunch of songs that were instant commentary on events from 9-11 to Hurricane Katrina to the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, but we've got to start by talking about the songs right now. I counted 16 or 17, I think it was, as of this morning, uh, songs by artists who already had a fairly high profile who have put out quickly songs about what happened in Minneapolis, the police killing of George Floyd that has resulted in protests across the country, around the world. And then there are uncountable others by artists who, who are just coming up that people haven't heard of.
0: Yeah, that's true, Jim. We're talking about major artists like Meek Mill and uh, YG and Her and Lil B. And then uh, Bob Molda, of course, recorded a record a few months ago, released the first single, and already that seems like it was written the morning it came out. American Crisis. I mean, what else sums up these these times
1: better, Greg? But, you know, we're critics. We're not going to give a, a song a, a pass just because it is about something important. I went through many of these. You went through many of these. We are choosing what we think is not only the most important uh, and necessary message, but the best songs. And I want to start by highlighting an artist who happens to be from Chicago. I did not know uh, singer-songwriter Wyatt Waddell before discovering this track, Fight, with the exclamation point. But in the wake of the killing of George Floyd, he put this out on Bandcamp. He said in a statement, This song is me looking at what's happening and what I'd tell the people protesting. I hope it can be an anthem for my people as they're fighting for a better America. What I like about this is that he is going back to the great Chicago gospel roots. You know, the music that powered uh, the civil rights movement via the staple singers and so many other greats, Mahalia Jackson, right? And he is doing it the way, say, Chance the Rapper has done recently, bringing it into the present. You know, it is not dusty. It is very much of the moment. And he's telling us there's already so much pain, there ain't nothing else we can do, except we are. We are taking to the streets, and we are agitating for change, for something better. This is Wyatt Waddell on Sound Opinions with Fight.
4: Scaring officers in the face, spraying with me for no reason, saying dead bodies in the street, and there ain't nothing else we can do. they know no the way, it's only a way to shout out and be
1: Wyatt Waddell from Chicago, uh, connecting to those gospel roots, Greg. I know you love this track, too, Fight.
0: Yeah, it, uh, it just blew me away when I heard it. And uh, Wyatt uh, says that he wrote that song in 24 hours. It feels like it. There's an urgency to it. It certainly doesn't sound like it. It sounds like a song that's incredibly well-crafted. But uh, what a piece of instant commentary. There's not a better example of it today than that song. Uh, Speaking of fight songs, Jim, I've got another one for you. Rick Wilson, another Chicago artist whom we reviewed on the show just a few weeks ago with his new EP, which we loved, uh, has a new single out, uh, Fight Like Ida B. and Marsha P., referring to Marsha P. Johnson, the uh, the famed gay activist, self-identified drag queen, uh, one of the most prominent figures in the Stonewall uprising of 1969, and also referring to Ida B. Wells, the... uh, American investigative journalist, educator, and civil rights activist, uh, one of the founders of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP. Wilson uh, name-checking these two artists as inspirations for his own activism. Rick has been extremely politically oriented in terms of not just his music, but in his appearances at rallies around the world for just causes and and this song in particular cuts close to home because the Chicago pride parade for the L G B T Q community was uh, just cancelled because of the COVID-19 crisis he wanted to honor that in some way and he also wanted to draw a connection between the gay rights fight with um, the Black Lives Matter movement you know this is an important connection these are black women fighting for their rights and uh, sort of tying together these movements in a single song. Rick Wilson with Fight Like Ida B and Marsha Payne Man,
5: uh, I got bodily autonomy, and this policy is people over a property. Treat us like pieces of monopoly. One day you'll be nothing but the rich to eat. Uh, defund the police, abolish the prisons, or don't speak a word to me. Stop ICE and let them all free. Let the kids be in sex surgeries. The dollar that enslaved does cannot save us. The cop that killed Mike Brown is not a savior. Y'all be treating laws like religion. I ain't come here to play woke musician. I don't say we gon' win for the listens. I to get tired of the Twitter feed lynches. Free up all my trans siblings in prisons. They punching down they don't want to see
0: us up, 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 up. The Rick Wilson with fight like Ida B and Marsha P he is not a bandwagon jumper in any way he's been talking about issues like defund the police and black Lives matter for years and uh, this is just a continuation of his efforts on that front.
1: Yeah, inspiring Greg. He has been out there on the front lines. Uh often in hip hop when uh artists become elder states people, they lose the urgency of what they were once talking about. I-, I was shocked when I saw on Instagram LL Cool J deliver an incredibly powerful two and a half minute freestyle rap. About the current situation. Because I don't think LL's been super relevant as a a rapper for a long time. But he summoned the powers he had at 18 or 19. For 400 years, you had your knees on our necks, he begins. And I think I saw this before the Reverend Al Sharpton's uh, eulogy. Using that as a refrain at George Floyd's funeral. It is incredibly powerful. Watching that man die slow, left a hole. As LL Cool J delivers it, you can see the tears in his eyes. And then he summons all of his powers and gives us the litany. Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin, Amadou Diallo, Tamir Rice, Sandra Bland, Breonna Taylor. I would add Chicago's Laquan McDonald. And he closes with the lines, Black Lives Matter Forever. Here's LL Cool J with an untitled freestyle on sound opinions. For 400 years, you had your knees on our necks. A garden of evil with no seeds of respect.
3: In America's mirror, all she sees is regret. Instead of letting blood live, they begging for bloodlet. Revenge is a dish that's served on platelets. Transfusion
1: of confusion, abusing our intellect. I can't be bought with a $1,200 check, even
3: though $1,200 can make a meal stretch. My mama wasn't rich, but she earned my respect. She made a little bit of money for a lot of blood, tears, and sweat. Jumping up and down on police cars, I'm vexed. After Chauvin killed George Floyd, we got next.
1: Molotov cocktails, anarchy on the set. The rich took the loot, so now we loot. Feeling like a caged tiger that's whipped to do tricks. That's why I
3: started fires and yelled and threw bricks.
0: It absolutely is, Jim. Um, You know, speaking of solid messages, I was really moved by the track They Don't by Nasty C and T.I. in regards to current commentary on what's going on in the world right now because it unifies a couple countries. Uh, Nasty C is an MC that just got signed out of South Africa by Def Jam. And T.I., of course, a veteran uh, hip-hop artist out of uh, Atlanta uh, joining forces on this track and and basically talking about... um, the issues um, that join black people around the world. There's police brutality going on in in South Africa, just as there is in the United States, and they're putting their heads together for verses on this track where they talk about the struggle black people around the world have uh, being recognized as fully-fledged citizens. As the, the line goes at, at the beginning of the song, they don't want me to sleep, they don't want me to dream, they don't want me to see my people living good and at ease. They wanna lock them all up and then get rid of the keys. We ain't never free. Uh, this is nasty C and T I with they don't. They don't
3: want me to win, they don't want me to eat. They don't wanna see on black men succeed. They don't wanna see me take my brothers out of the streets, they don't want me. They don't want me to sleep, they don't want me to dream, they don't wanna see my people living good and at ease, they wanna lock them all up and then get rid of the How could you
5: blame as many sisters and brothers die? If they answer to it, go and start another fight. Get they got to do a ask to show objection to it. God bless them, no direction that they get into it. 2020, guess it's the year to burn. Consequences you earn. The build this nation that you hate me in the karmas return. Well, that's a stupid question. When will you learn? You never will. Word the joy, floor Ember Till. And Sean Bell. Guess they rather see us all civil they and rest. Then the going makes me up in the rest. Up and after that, here's to getting exactly what you expect. How you pull the server protect with your knee on my neck. Look at nasty
1: C and TI, they don't Those are just four of many, many songs that have been released in recent weeks, no doubt will continue to come at this moment of upheaval in America. Greg, this is not new, though. As we pointed out at the top, pop musicians have been reacting in song to the issue of the day in a very timely fashion for a long time. Time We didn't quite define instant. In some cases, this has been days, days after a headline, or hours even, really, Mm. songs have come out. We're looking at the ones that hold up for us. Um, You know, before the summer of COVID and the questioning of police brutality, I think the most dramatic period that we've lived through has been uh, 9-11, followed by the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I think those headlines... In 2003, when we invaded Iraq, March nineteenth, two 2003, by air, March 20, 2003, uh, on the ground, three days later, REM comes out with a mostly acoustic song, Final Straw, that talks about this war and is this the right response to what happened on 9-11, obviously a tragedy, but Michael Stipe and I think uh, what stands as, as uh, the last great song by R.E.M. is questioning. Uh, now, love cannot be called into question. Forgiveness is the only hope I hold. Love, love will be my strongest weapon. I don't believe that I'm alone. And the warmth of that great Stipe voice and the beauty of it being coupled with uh, Peter Buck's guitar, uh, you feel less alone. And you do feel as if love still matters and is important. And that, uh, as Stipe says, that is what can power us to, quote, put up a fight, make it right. R.E.M., Final Straw from 2003.
2: As I raise my hand to broadcast my objection, as your latest triumph draws the final straw, Who died and lifted you up to perfection And what silenced me is written into love. I can't believe where circumstances throw me And I turned my head away If I look, I'm not sure that I could face you not again, not today, not today. If hatred makes a play on me tomorrow, and forgiveness take a backseat to revive. There's a hurt down the deep that has not been corrected There's a voice in me that says you will not win
1: R.E.M.'s Final Straw. Greg, I remember you and me both writing about that for the newspapers the day it came out.
0: Yeah, it was amazing, and uh, there was a huge panel at South by Southwest that year in Austin, Texas, uh, where they drew uh, a bunch of figures, protest figures, from across the generations. I was fortunate enough to mediate that panel, and it was an extraordinary time for all this music that was appearing online uh, in, in response to the war, there were so many songs that uh, there was a website started to catalog them all and put them all in one place. So the radio wasn't necessarily playing these songs, but they were resonating on the Internet with, uh, with people all over the world. And during that period, um, another artist uh, chimed in, um, Steve Earle, a man who uh, never has shied away from a fight or from writing a song that would address the, uh, the world as it is, clear-eyed. You know, Steve. Uh, Steve has been a guest on the show. We've talked to him many times. He's talked about this idea of one of the jobs of a songwriter is to bring to light the stories that no one else wants to tell. In a way, you're 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 like a journalist. You're not just a storyteller. You're a journalist. You're telling those stories that need to be told. And he wanted to address an extremely controversial subject in the moment uh, with John Walker's blues. Now, those of you who uh, don't remember, John Walker Lind was billed as the American Taliban fighter, uh, someone who had been captured in the invasion of Afghanistan in November of 2001 uh, as, a, as a traitor, and, and, and spent uh, the next two decades in jail, basically. Uh, not a sympathetic figure by any means, but he happened to be 20 years old, the same age as Steve Earle's son, Justin, was at the time. And he said, Steve said... I relate to this kid. I don't necessarily relate to what he did, but I relate to the fact that when you're that young, you're going to make decisions that you may, la- may later on regret. It could happen to uh, anyone of that age where you take a wrong turn some way and never get back and never get your life back. And he was drawn to that sense of empathy as much as the news headlines. So here you are writing a song, about a very controversial figure and pulling the lens back a little bit and saying, look at the wider picture here. Um, You know, Earl was saying at the time, I feel like the loneliest man in America because this song was not well received at his concert. Um, And yet he continued to perform it because he believed in what it was saying. Um, And here it is. Steve Earl with John Walker's blues from 2002 on Sound Opinions. I'm just an American boy
3: on MTV And I seen all the kids in the soda pop pants But none of them look like me So I started looking around For a light out of the dim. And the first thing I heard that made sense was the word of Muhammad Peace be a I shall knew I lie, I ain't there's no God but God if my daddy could see my mind chains around my feet He don't understand that sometimes a man's got to fight for what he believes
1: The brilliant, if occasionally cranky, Steve Earle, John Walker's Blues. Greg, that that line about uh, the kid raised on MTV, I mean, that's the one that gets to me, you know, (laughs) every single time. After a break, Greg and I are going to talk about some more instant musical commentaries coming up on Sound Opinion from WBEZ Chicago and distributed nationally by PRX.
0: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim Dirigatis, And today we're talking songs that are instant commentaries. Tracks quickly written and released in response to a major event, a protest, or a movement. Jim, what do you got next for us? Greg, I'm going to Chicago again
1: for the great Vic Mensa, who uh, you know, first made waves in the national music scene out of Chicago as a member of a group called Kids These Days. And then on his own uh, with a series of mixtapes and then a great album in 2017. We had him on the show in early 2018. But this song is not on that album. It was something he released in fairly short order in response to the shooting of Laquan McDonald. You know, Greg, there was a lag here, okay? McDonald is shot in October 2014. Vic puts out a video for 16 shots, followed by a recording in October 2016. You say, well, that's not such instant commentary, Jim, is it? Ah, but the way this story became public, the way the outrage built, was that it wasn't until an independent journalist secured video of the shooting, Because it didn't happen before it was on video, right? It wasn't enough to just have a headline that said a young teenager is shot. It wasn't until people saw that video. And then, very quickly, is when Vic struck and recorded 16 shots. He is thinking about it from a very human perspective. He's starting out by questioning, where are the protests? Ready for the war, we got our boots strapped 100 deep on State Street. Where are the troops at? But then he shifts perspective. Uh, Only a few lines after that, everybody want to know where the truth at. On the South Side, where it's no trauma centers, but the most trauma, the critical lack of health care in the black South and West sides of Chicago, I can't imagine if it was my own mama got her firstborn son stole from her. I think Vic's examining this from every angle. I think it's an incredibly powerful song, an important song, and uh, here he is, Vic Mensa, with 16 Shots.
3: Ready for the world, we got our boots strapped. A hundred deep on State Street where the troops set. The May Alliance, say didn't see the video footage, and everybody want to know where the truth at. On the south side, where where's no trauma centers but the most trauma. A lot of cannons, but you don't want no drama. I can't imagine if it was my own mama got a firstborn son, stole from her He never had a chance, and we all know it's cuz he black Shot him 16 times, how f***ed up is that? Now the police superintendent wanna double back Cops speedin' up to the block like a running back. Tension is high, man, these niggas is irate You can see it in they eyes, they wanna violate Screaming out, oink, oink, bang, bang gang, 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 Murder, 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 they mind state I just made me a meal and still militant This ain't conscious rap, this shit ignorant The r- hair trigger ain't no fun When the rabbit got the gun. When I cock back, police better run. Vic
0: Mensa,
1: 16 shots. What a powerful piece of art, Greg.
0: Yeah, Jim, that's an incredible song. I I remember one of the first big public performances of that song. He was an unannounced opening act for Beyoncé at Soldier Field. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, 55,000 people there to see Beyoncé, and here comes... Vic is performing this uh, extremely powerful song in his hometown. I said, what do you remember about that day? He said, you know, I remember there was a lot of police there, but uh, this is a song that I'd been wanting to write since I was 16 years old. And the song sort of met the moment, which is exactly what we're talking about here. You know, another example of that, I wanted to reach back to uh, a Richard Thompson song from 2015 called Fergus Lang. This was a song that, to me, resonated because Richard Thompson is, a, a, is an English musician. And here he was writing a song, even though he does not name Donald Trump in the song. The song was written days after Trump announced his candidacy for the presidency in 2015. And Thompson started performing it in festivals that year. And he simply said, you know, people asked him, well, who's this song about? And he said, well, it's just about a real estate mogul who's getting into politics. You know, he was just being very kind of coy. But everybody knew what the song was about. And I I think it was one of the first songs that, to me, captured the anxiety that, you know, correlated with Trump's announcement of running for the presidency. Now, in America, I think a lot of people thought of him as sort of an outlier, somebody who could never possibly win the presidency. This was just a lark. But my wife and I went to Europe a few months after Thompson wrote that song, and the anxiety was thick in the air. They saw it before maybe we did in terms of the possibilities that were there if Trump were elected as president. And everybody over here was sort of poo-pooing it. People like Richard Thompson and other people in, in Europe were not. I think the song still has an incredible amount of relevance, obviously, for what's going on now. But the fact that it was written so much in the moment, maybe one of the first of the protest songs of the Trump era. Richard Thompson with Fergus Lang on Sound Opinions.
4: Fergus Lang is a beast of a man. He stitches up and fleeces. He wants to manicure the world and sell it off in pieces. He likes to build his towers high. He blocks the sun out of the sky. In the penthouse, the champagne's dry. It's slightly gassy. Fergus Lang, he works so hard, busy as a bee is. Fergus Lang has 17 friends, all as dull as he is. 17 friends of 17 wives, all the perfect shape and size. They wag their tails and bat their eyes, just like lasses. Fergus Lang, he builds and builds. Get small as direction, Fergus Lang has a fine head of hair when the wind's in the right direction.
0: That is Fergus Lang by Richard Thompson. He never names him, but it's all about Donald Trump announcing his presidential bid in 2015. Tune, Greg, I'm going back to 9/11 and the original
1: start of the war in Afghanistan and then the invasion of Iraq, that period again. A band called Thursday from my native New Jersey did a lot of recording in Jersey City, where I grew up. You know, Thursday has been called a screamo band or an emo band. Every musician of any worth has always laughed at those genres. I mean, they're a great rock and roll band of the punkish variety. And um, the record they put out, War All the Time, in 2003, was incredibly powerful. Now, 9-11, 2001, you know, we got some high-profile responses very quickly, Paul McCartney with Freedom and uh, Bruce Springsteen with The Rising. And to me, they were predictable and, and even sort of Uh, saccharine and just cheap, I think there was a need for a little reflection about that incredible confluence of events, the attack on America, and then us in turn attacking Afghanistan and Iraq. And you got to understand geographically, Jersey City is directly across the Hudson River from the Twin Towers, okay, exchange place in downtown Jersey City. You feel like you could have reached out and touched the World Trade Center And the members of Thursday were there and saw the planes hit and saw the smoke and the towers fall. And then, of course, they're in the recording studio working on this record when, you know, we begin bombing and then are on the ground in Afghanistan. And they're finishing it up. It's going to be their first major label record after being on the Independent Victory Records when Iraq starts. And the overwhelming sense of all of this history happening and dragging us away in the middle of it, us being horrified, but also questioning what what is the right response to all of this? There are no answers here. There are just a lot of questions. And the music, I think, is incredibly powerful. I don't often quote other critics, but uh, I read a review of War All the Time, the album, where the critics said, uh, sensitive as a teardrop, but hitting with the impact of a two-by-four across the jaw. You wrote that for Entertainment Weekly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, okay.
1: <laughs> but I interviewed the band and we really connected, and I thought they were incredibly smart and important group. Ruined by the major label experience, they didn't last a lot longer after this record. But this is the title track of War All the Time by Thursday War,
3: all of the time, in the shadow of the New York sky. We grew up too fast, falling apart like the ashes of America. Bye.
0: War All the Time from Thursday, a band that has never been shy about making a statement about world affairs, I I love them for that. Speaking of not being shy, the Hurricane Katrina crisis in this country, 2005, was just a horrible event that resonated for years. New Orleans, I don't think, has been the same ever since, only now starting to find its way back to a degree but turning an entire city of people into refugees, those who were able to essentially survive. And a lot of these people who left the city because there was no place to live, usually in the poorest neighborhoods in the city that were underwater, traveled to other major cities in the South, including Houston. And the Houston Astrodome, the sports stadium, being turned into a gigantic refugee camp, of all the people who were, you know, basically bringing whatever they could carry out of their flooded homes to this destination and living there for weeks in squalor, essentially. And this was a really moving moment, not just for the residents of New Orleans, the displaced residents, but for the people in Houston who were witnessing this. The legendary KO is a still-active Houston-based hip-hop duo that wrote an instant commentary about it. If you recall, soon after Katrina hit and the devastation was becoming clear and there is a, a sense that the bush administration was not exactly racing to help this city resurrect itself let alone save the residents who had been instantly homeless Kanye West went on national television and said George Bush doesn't care about black people a remark that has trailed him throughout his career ever since but really resonated with the african-american community in particular And certainly with me, I mean, it couldn't have been more moving and more timely statement and a very brave statement on his part. Well, the legendary KO used the Kanye West quote as a jumping off point. They sampled a Kanye West song, Gold Digger, and then slapped a couple of verses on it that were, to me, incredibly descriptive and powerful about the situation on the ground in New Orleans and Houston as it was happening in the moment. They put it up on the web instant commentary that got like a million downloads almost instantly and really spoke to a situation that was happening in the world right then I think it's one of the greatest protest songs ever written and it was probably recorded for minimal amount of money and put up instantly like in a day a 24-hour kind of deal and has become a, a truly historic document of a very troubling time in our country George Bush Doesn't Care About Black People by Legendary K.O. on Sound Opinions.
6: Hurricane came through for stuff around here. Government acting like it's bad luck down here.
1: All
3: I know is that you better bring some trucks around here. Wonder why I got my middle finger up around here. People lives on the line, you declining the hell. Since you taking so much time, we surviving ourselves. Just me and my pets and my kids and my spouse. Trapped in my own house, looking for a way
4: out. Five days in this motherfucking Can't me use the cell phone, I keep getting static. Dying cause they lie instead of telling I us the I truth. Other day the helicopters got my neighbors off the roof. Screwed cool cause they said they're coming back for us too. That was three me. days ago, I don't
1: see no rescue. Got see, a me. man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. Got Since God made the path and
3: I'm trying to walk through. I swam to the store trying to look for food. Corner stores kinda flooded, so I broke my way through. I got what I could, but before I got through, the news said police
1: shot a black man trying.
0: Legendary KO with George Bush doesn't care about black people. And uh, we want to hear from you. What are other songs that were quickly released in reaction to a world event? Let us know. Give us a call at 888 859 1800 and leave a message. Or connect with us on Facebook or Twitter. Coming up, we're going to review the latest album from Bob Dylan. And Jim, you've got a song we can't live without. What do you got for us? Craig, I'm going to go to uh, San Francisco with
1: one of the great genre-breaking, uh, rule-breaking bands of all time.
0: Uh, i keep you waiting until we get there. All right. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
2: A bullet from the back of bu-
5: Turn the radio on, don't touch the dials. Parkland Hospital, only six more miles got me dizzy, Miss Lizzie, you fill me with lead, that magic bullet of yours has gone to my head, I'm just a Patsy like Patsy Klein, never shot anyone from in front or behind,
0: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. He's Jim Dirigatis, and that's a little bit of Murder Most Foul, the first single released from Bob Dylan's new album, Rough and Rowdy Ways. The 39th studio album from the artist, who is uh, now 79 years old, Bob Dylan, needs a little introduction, I would imagine. His first album of original songs since his 2012 album, Tempest. It was a, it's kind of a major event for Dylanologists. You know, We've gotten a series... Of great American songbook albums in recent years from Dylan, and now he is shifting back to originals for the first time in eight years, which is uh, bringing joy to the hearts of many fans of this artist. He uh, debuted the album out of nowhere, this 17-minute single, Murder Most Foul, appears. Some people are shorthanding it as the JFK song. It, It ostensibly begins with the murder of John F. Kennedy in 1963, memorializes that event, but then spirals off into uh, new territory that Jim and I are going to talk about here in a second. This new album was recorded with Dylan's touring band and self-produced by Dylan as has been his pattern throughout his 21st century recordings. He's got a couple of guests on here including Fiona Apple. They are credited but we don't exactly know what instruments they're playing or what vocals they're singing. It's a Bob Dylan album in any case. Here's a track from the new album. We're going to talk about it in a second. Bob Dylan with Rough and Rowdy Ways. Here's Goodbye Jimmy Reed on Sound Opinions.
5: I live on the streets named after saints. Women in the churches wear powder and Where the Jews and the Catholics and the Muslims are praying. I can tell a prodding from a mile away. Goodbye Jimmy Reed. Give me meat indeed. Give me that old time religion. It's just what I need. For thine is the kick up, the power of the glory. Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell the real story. Tell it in that straightforward, puritanical tone. In the mystic hours where. The Lord. goodbye jimmy reed
1: godspeed up on the bible i proclaim a creed goodbye jimmy reed from bob tillon's 39th album rough and rowdy ways all right greg i almost feel like we have two separate conversations to have here We have to talk about Murder Most Foul, and interestingly enough, on the physical release of this, it has its own disc, while the rest of Rough and Rowdy Ways is on a different disc. So it's almost as if Dylan, in releasing that before we knew there was going to be an album, it's almost as if he's saying it stands apart, and it really does in some ways, because Two popular readings of it, number one, Death of American Innocence, you know, all that Oliver Stone stuff, America's Never Recovered from JFK. The more cynical reading, some people contend that Dylan is saying that the baby boom generation failed in that they were easily distracted from by all of this pop culture joy, everything from the Beatles to, uh, you know, he name drops Queen and Fleetwood Mac. Those are not (laughs) names that should come out of Dylan's mouth easily. Yeah, okay, Jimmy Reed and Carl Wilson. and But what's Dylan doing talking about the Eagles, right? It's a mystery, that track. It's rather inscrutable. There's no melody. There's a long drone. There's a lot of Bob. And then there's the rest of this record. Man, we just played Goodbye Jimmy Reed. That's pretty great. Even better, Crossing the Rubicon. Well, you defile the most lovely flower in all of womanhood
5: Others can be tolerant Others can be good I'll cut you off
1: with a crooked knife Lord, and I'll What a wonderful, raunchy, blues song. If we consider Rough and Rowdy Ways as nine songs, plus Murder Most Foul, there's only one phone-it-in filler, which is the, the last song before Murder Most Foul, Key West, Philosopher Pirate, which is in some ways a deathbed confessional and it's pretty powerful. But then there's also like, he's like almost in Jimmy Buffett territory, you know?
5: Key West is the place to be If you're looking for immortality Stay on the road, follow the highways (laughs)
0: With a lot better lyrics, I think.
1: With with, with uh, sometimes better lyrics. But the lyrics are all over the map throughout this record. He's making a penis joke. There's a lot of critics already comparing this to sort of a Frankenstein monster of smart... Serious historical references, Edgar Allan Poe, William Blake, you know, Freud, Marx, Anne Frank with just the absurd, you know, what is he doing talking about Scarface Pacino and Godfather Brando? You know, he's like all over the map. And, you know, hey, he's a Nobel Prize winner. You know, Bob Dylan doesn't need to be name-dropping. So why is he doing it? And people always forget, I think, in looking for deep, 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 deep meaning, or as he says on his first track, I Contain Multitudes, they always forget that, that a big part of those multitudes is he's a Dada surrealist prankster. I think the best moments here are when he is being very funny, and it's when he's just loving that band that he's had on the road for so long. And there's almost a uh, music from Big Pink Basement Tapes vibe of them cutting loose. He's having uh, more fun, I believe, playing this music. It's a joy there, a real, I I didn't expect we'd hear this kind of record from Dylan again, because I was not a fan of those American songbook records.
0: Yeah, I was a fan of the first one, but I thought uh, then repeating it and repeating it again and again, you know, there was actually a triple album in there somewhere, uh, was a bit much. But I'm really glad that he's back to writing original music. I think these songs have probably been stockpiling a little bit over the eight-year period. And man, oh man, you know, I'm glad you brought up the joy, because there were a few moments, I'm listening to this album, and I've, you know, I've been playing it pretty much nonstop since we got it, that I just laughed out loud. I mean, I was, I I thought this is, in some ways it's absurd, but it's really funny. And you can see that sly wink that he's given you on some of these songs. It reminds me a lot, you you mentioned sort of the jumbled up quality of the images, the juxtapositions that seem out of place. I think that's clearly intentional. He's sort of piling up these images like a collage or, you know, it's a Hieronymus Bosch painting. You mentioned Dada, Salvador Dali definitely figures into some of the way he's approaching some of these songs. There's beauty in this record. There's uh, that doo-wop-flavored song that I've Made Up My Mind to Give Myself to You is a beautiful yeah. song. I mean, people who say, oh, we can't sing anymore. I actually think that song's quite lovely. I mean, it's uh, he sings quite well in that song.
1: No, the vocals are, are, are not bad. Yeah.
5: I've made up my mind to give myself to you.
0: The band sounds spry. They sound like, hey, we're playing Bob Dylan music again, and it's really fun. And Dylan, as a producer, is allowing you know this music to be made in real time as opposed to layering instruments and all this stuff. It sounds like a band in a room playing. I think, you know, I do have a unified theory of this record, you know? And I do think that Murder Most Foul relates to the other record in in terms of its historical overview. The song My Own Version of You essentially says that. I can see the history of the whole human race.
5: I can see the history of the whole human race. It's all right
1: there.
0: It's carved into your face. Well, what exactly does that mean?
1: But also, he's also yeah. confessing his Frankenstein monster thing there. That's well, what yeah, I meant earlier. The, he says, I've been visiting morgues and monasteries and looking for the necessary monastery. body parts. You know?
0: Well, yeah, and exactly. And, I, and he's monster. creating a, a Frankenstein monster. What is that? Limbs
5: and livers and brains and hearts. I'll bring someone to life. It's what I want to do. I want to create my own version of you.
0: What is Dr. Frankenstein doing? He's trying to create a new version of this history, trying to rewrite it in a lot of ways. As an artist, you have that license. You can do that. And I think part of the reason for all these cultural references, all these names he's dropping, I mean, there's like, what, 75 alone in Murder, Most Foul, but it continues throughout the rest of the album. Hence is why I think there's a lot of continuity between that song and what the rest of the album is. He's talking about art as not only important, but essential to surviving the absurdity of the world right now. And I think there's absurdity and showmanship and triviality in pop music as well. But there's the freedom to do that. Like, why would you mention Leon Russell, Liberace, and St. John the Apostle in the same breath, you know? Yeah, it doesn't yeah, make yeah. any sense. But at the same time, it's about human creativity. And the one thing about art and music specifically is that it allows us to glimpse other possibilities than the one we're living in right now, and I think this is this is why this album is so energizing, at least for me. I don't know how other people feel about it. They may think Dylan's old hat are irrelevant. But this is an extremely relevant album for me in in terms of the time we're living in right now.
1: I couldn't agree more. I'm 100% with you. And the last thought I just got to put in there is always remember that in his autobiography, Chronicles, he listed, yes, Woody Guthrie as one of his major influences, but also Tiny Tim and Gorgeous George the wrestler. He is a funny man. Don't take him so seriously. Enjoy. But we just start the conversation. We want to hear from you always what do you think about the latest from bob dylan call our hotline at 888-859-1800 and leave us a message or connect with us on facebook or twitter i tell you little buddy this whole island is bewitched
0: As often as possible, we like to take a trip to the desert island and play a track we cannot live without. And this week, it is Jim DiRigatis' turn. Jim, what do you got for us this week?
1: Greg, I am going to San Francisco when a band formed 1979, Romeo Void. I love this band. And the confluence of why did you think of them now, Jim? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I compared uh, the Seattle group Killer Workout to capturing that energy of dance music coming together with punk today, and I compared them to Romeo Void. And then somebody on Facebook, apropos of nothing I could tell, just wrote this incredibly moving love letter to this band. I don't think this band gets the recognition it deserves for breaking ground on so many fronts. Number one, those merger of those two genres. You know, of course, yeah, we had uh, Debbie Harry doing it with Heart of Glass and Blondie, right? But I think Romeo Void both had more groove on the dance floor and more just solid punk credentials because Deborah Iall grew up a Native American and, uh, you know, a, a people uh, that were very much outsiders, though... It never should have been that way. She goes to art school at the San Francisco Art Institute and kind of stumbles into music in that era of punk where anybody can do it. You don't look like a front woman. She certainly didn't look like Debbie Harry, many people would say. She was chubby. She was Native American. uh, She was short. uh, But what a voice, okay? So after recording for 415 Records, they sign to a major label. And this is the downfall of so many bands in that era. At first, uh, you know, the majors try, Columbia Records tries to, like, polish them all up, take out everything that was great about them in the first place, and then, uh, you know, try to get them to sell. That doesn't happen, but there's a very good third record, Instinct. I think they got their footing back on that album, Instinct. Combining what was best about It's a Condition, the first record, which was indie, and then Benefactor, the one that really kind of disappointed, I think they really knocked it out of the box. And what's more, with this song, A Girl in Trouble is a Temporary Thing, they scored a bona fide Billboard chart hit, okay? It was selling. They were doing great. They're crossing the country. They don't have a lot of money. They're still in a van. They're showing up at cities. And In the middle of this tour, which is supposed to be the victory lap, they get essentially ignored and then dropped by the major label. Man, what a rotten story! You know afterwards, uh, there were reunions and and Deborah Ile has put out two solo records, and mostly though she's been teaching art and working. Uh, as an activist with the Native American community, uh, trying to foster young artists of that heritage. I think uh, this is a great band, and, uh, man, they ought to make a movie about it and, uh, and, and bring them back. Uh, you know, here you can hear the way she, she combines both sexuality, unapologetically, and feminism. The girl she's singing about, she's got a face that shows that she knows she's heard every line. Tenderly, she talks on the phone. There's a way to walk that says, stay away, and a time to go around the long way. Uh, I think a lot of women can relate to that. Here is Romeo Void with a girl in trouble is a temporary thing. Void. A girl in trouble is a temporary thing. I love that band, Craig. What are we got on the show next week?
0: I love them too, Jim, and uh, speaking of uh, loving an artist, Bill Withers is one of my all-time faves, and we're gonna dive deep. A classic album dissection of uh, Bill Withers live at Carnegie Hall.
2: Ain't no sunshine when she's gone
1: It's not warm when she's For more Sound Opinions, you can listen to our podcast wherever you get such things. Sound Opinions is produced by Brendan Banizak, Alex Claiborne, and Andrew Gill. She goes away.
2: Wonder this time where she's gone. Wonder if she's gone.
1: On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say.
6: New messages. Hey guys, George from Yonkers in New York. I'm uh, calling about the covers episode. And through it all, I kept thinking about all the punk and alternative songs that I've come to know from obscure R&B, well, at least to American audiences. You know, everything from the clashes covering Vince Taylor for Brand New Cadillac or the Dead Kennedys with Viva Las Vegas. But the m- one that came to my mind first and the one that... I think fits your interpretation of it can't be just a direct cover, it has to make some kind of new approach, is Tori Amos covering Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit.
3: Load up all bring your friends, it's fun to lose, and to pretend she's overboard and self-assured.
6: It's just piano, it's singing. And to me, it actually really does impart the despair and the anguish the song is really think I think is coming from Kurt Cobain when he wrote it. Rather than the raging guitars and the and the screaming. This really just makes you feel it. And I can to this day just hear it in my head when the goose pimples and the rise in the voice comes to me. Anyway. Thanks for the great shows, guys. Looking forward to the rest. Be safe.
2: Yes, my name is Bonnie Desiderio. I'm calling from Sewell, New Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia. Uh, But they're talking about uh, cover songs that you love to hate. And the first song that popped into my head was Gwen Stefani doing a cover of Talk Talks It's My Life. I can't stand her version. I think the Talk Talk version is the one and only proper version. It's exceptional. I love that band and I love that song. So just had to voice my opinion on that because I love to hate the Gwen Stefani version of it. No disrespect to her, but she doesn't. It just doesn't do the song justice. So just wanted to say that.
6: Hey guys, this is Derek from Big Chicago. Just finished listening to your cover songs. Uh, podcast episode and I nearly had my jaw hit the floor
0: when I realized
6: you went through the entire episode without even touching the Killdozer for Ladies Only album. You want to talk about having an original sound with a song that's been done before. These guys don't disappoint on any of the songs on there. I, I don't know how you overlooked it, but please let the audience know about Killdozer. Thank you. Thank you. Hi there, Greg, Jim, and the staff at Sound Opinions. This is Robert Cullen from Portland, Oregon. My album of the year so far is The Neon Skyline by Andy Schaaf. It's reminiscent of Paul Simon and that kind of great singer-songwriter music of the 1970s and early 80s. It's a beautiful album that Andy wrote all the parts for. So Andy Schaaf, The Neon Skyline, my pick for Album of the Year 2020 so far. Thanks, guys.
3: Clearer stands beside us. She is ordering the trunk. She says hello
6: No more messages.